This is Saving Grace, Living in the Light of God's Love, a broadcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world, committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. And now, our program. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate, your host for today's program. You know, if you follow global news, you're well aware of the escalation of persecution against Christians around the world. Believers in Somalia, North Korea, Afghanistan, Libya saw the biggest increase, according to Open Doors 2022 report. Here in America, you may feel far removed from such terror, but you must be aware that the cause of Christ is actively persecuted in our country. Anti-Christian sentiment is on the rise, and reports are increasing from Christians who are marginalized or isolated for not complying with social norms. New outlets, news outlets and entertainment media increasingly vilify or mock Christianity. How are Christians to respond to all of this? Well, we have to look no further than God's word for guidance. And back with to Saving Grace to help us glean help from the book of First Peter is Dr. Dave Anderson, President and Professor of Biblical Languages and Systematic Theology at Grace School of Theology. He is a graduate of Rice University. In addition, Dr. Anderson received his Master's in Theology and his Doctorate in Greek New Testament and Early Christian Literature from Dallas Theological Seminary. He's the author of many books, including Maximum Joy, Triumph Through Trials, Position and Condition, among many, including the book that we're drawing from today, Saving the Saved, an Exposition of First Peter. Welcome back, Dr. Anderson. Well, great to be back. Great to see you again. And oh, hopefully we'll have a good time here. Oh, I, I know we will. I love the topic. It's a timely talk, topic. And... Uh, as is with anything, God's word is always relevant. So this this will be good. Uh, you know, if, if as we go through life and looking at all that's going on in the world today, it really amazes me how timely Peter's discussion of persecution is for 21st century Christians. Uh, I, I think it would be helpful. Uh, if you would, Dr. Anderson, to help shed some light on what persecution in the church was like in Peter's day. Like, what were they experiencing during that time? When uh, Christianity was really expanding fast, uh, Nero was the emperor, and Nero was persecuting the Christians like crazy. That's why in Second Thessalonians, they had lost their hope that they had back in First Thessalonians, where it talks about the rapture. And they'd been taught that the rapture preceded the tribulation. And because the persecution was so great uh, through Nero, they thought Nero was the Antichrist. If that's true, then the tribulation had already begun. If that's true, they'd missed the rapture. So part of the reason he wrote Second Thessalonians was to restore their hope. And so a lot of persecution was going on. Um, you know, a, a Polish writer won a Nobel Prize for literature, partially because of the book he wrote, which is called Quo Vadis Domine, uh, which meant in Latin, uh, where are you going, Lord? Mm -hmm. And it's a, a book about 
the persecution of the Christians. And in, in of course, part of the book is fictionalized, but uh, we think Peter himself died in Rome, some say uh, upside down. Uh, that came from an apocryphal book called the Acts of Peter. Uh, but all the uh, people, historians, etc., agreed that he was crucified <clears throat> in Rome uh, by uh, Nero. So Quo Vadis is when uh, Peter was uh, tempted to uh, leave Rome and uh, avoid the persecution and avoid death. And of course, he had said back in the, Israel that he would die for the Lord. Right. Later on, he denies him three times. And then he gets the Holy Spirit and has the power to face persecution. And told the Sanhedrin whether I should obey you or, or God, well, I'll let you decide. As for me or we in that case, uh, we can't stop talking about Jesus. So he knew he might die. That's even hinted at at the end of John that he would die and uh, could well die from persecution, which, uh, of course, he did. So there was a lot of persecution going on and uh, on that time. Yes, yes. Well, we certainly have not experienced persecution to that degree and pray that our families would not see that in this country. Uh but we do see changes in attitudes toward Christians really growing in hostility and hatred. Uh, so Peter's advice to the Christians of his day is applicable. He tells us, uh, tells believers in First Peter 3.14 that even if they should suffer for righteousness sake, that they are blessed. Uh, Dr. Anderson, first, what does it mean to suffer for righteousness? Well, there are different categories of suffering. Uh, two broad categories are deserved suffering and, and undeserved suffering. A deserved suffering would be uh, like I go through from some of my motorcycle wrecks and, and uh, artificial <laughs> joints. In fact, I have an artificial knee, an artificial hip, an artificial shoulder, and this year I'm going for artificial intelligence. I think that uh, <laughs> would be a great, a great benefit. But anyway, uh, that's all deserved suffering from my lack of skill on the bike or, or foolishness or whatever. Uh, so I get no credit in heaven for that. However, uh, undeserved suffering is a different matter. That too falls into two categories. One is innocent suffering. That would be like a baby born with cancer and dies at age three. Well, that's extreme suffering, but it's the suffering of the innocent. The baby hasn't done anything wrong to deserve the cancer. So that's a category. But the category Peter is talking about is uh, suffering for the sake of righteousness. It's suffering when you're doing things right. It's the uh, employee who won't take, uh, you know, the salesman who won't take his uh, potential clients out to the strip bars because yeah. of his Christian testimony and gets fired for it. Well, that would be suffering because he's doing something right. Uh, and so all the suffering of the early Christians, because they were Christians, uh, was undeserved suffering. And Peter talks about that quite extensively. One third of his book is about that kind of suffering. And he says, you get a credit in heaven. He says, though you have a bank account in heaven, and each day you live for Christ, you have a deposit in that account. And when we show up before him at the judgment seat of Christ, He'll open our personalized bank account to see what's in there. 
And that will reveal how much of our life has been saved and how much has been lost. And that's why I call this book I wrote, uh, Saving the Saved. It's yes. people that are already justified, but now they need to be sanctified. And that's one way to make your life count forever, is through personal sanctification. That's the first third of the book. The second third of the book is about uh, personal submission. It talks about different authorities over us and how we're just submit to them. <clears throat> and then the last third of the book is about suffering uh, for righteousness' sake, which is yeah. undeserved suffering. And he says for that, that we get a special reward in heaven. Well, you know, Dr. Anderson, suffering for doing what is right, that's a hard pill to swallow. But the hardest part to grasp is that Peter says we are blessed in suffering. And you call it the paradox of persecution. Help us to understand and if you will, the reasons that we can find blessing or happiness in suffering for righteousness. Well, Carmen, I'm glad you said uh, happiness because the word makarios, which is used there, is can be translated that way. It's the main meaning is, is happiness. The uh, beatitudes are really what some people call the be happitudes, because yes. every time he says blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, he's talking about happiness. But interestingly enough, uh, at the end of the uh, uh, Beatitudes, he raises uh, it up a notch. He talks about rejoice and be exceedingly glad when men uh, use you and speak all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. And then tells us why we could be happy. I mean, that sounds crazy. Yeah, be happy yeah. in the midst of suffering. And that, now we come to the paradox. He says, uh, for great is your reward in heaven. Mm. So he's saying, if you have an eye to the world to come, your temporary suffering here can be multiplied in terms of a positive reward you receive in heaven for that suffering, uh, such that in Romans 8, Paul says that our current sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in the sons of God. Mm. So some of our suffering is... Uh, in, in, in light of eternity is like comparing a thimble of, full of water with the Pacific Ocean or like a speck of sand with Mount Everest. And we would yell out, well, that's stupid. <laughs> there is no comparison. Right, uh, right. But we, we may not see that to the next life. Yeah. So a lot of the victory in the midst of suffering is how real is the world to come to you? Mm -hmm. How real are all the promises Jesus made to you? Of course, yes. that's a matter of faith, and uh, that faith is not necessarily an easy road to walk. So that's yeah. one reason. And so we would say the greater the heat, the greater the reward. It's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. an old law from physics that uh, deals with gases. And it says the greater the heat, the greater the expansion. The greater yeah. the heat, the greater the expansion. That's also true. Uh, as all this persecution took place, uh, the gospel spread out far and wide. Uh, originally, the uh, church was simply Jewish, along with some proselytes from the uh, Greek world or from the Hellenists, what they were called. Uh, so the church was, was a Jewish church, and it was expanding, turning Jerusalem upside down, adding thousands from uh, speeches of uh, Peter and so on. But then all of a sudden, they killed uh, Saul of Tarsus. I mean, killed Saul of Saul of Tarsus killed Stephen. 
uh, yes. oversaw his stoning. And from that time forward, the diaspora took place, and that was simply the scattering of the Jewish Christians around the Mediterranean world. <clears throat> and so that wouldn't have happened had Saul of Tarsus not been in charge of killing the Christians. It actually says in Galatians, he, he ravaged the church. He was trying to destroy it. But that kind of persecution uh, actually helped spread it out. Even Paul in Philippians 1, in his imprisonment, said, Hey, man, I rejoice. I can find joy in jail. And they said, well, that's stupid. Uh -uh, another paradox. He says, my mouth essentially is shut. I can talk to the Praetorian Guard, but that's about it. And because I can't talk, you have to talk. And so now I'm multiplied. Who knows how many? And the gospel is spreading faster with all of you preaching than if just I were doing the preaching. Yes. yes. So that's uh, greater the heat, the greater the expansion. There's, there's another one that says the greater the heat, the greater the Christ-likeness. And, of course, the uh, goal of the Christian life is to become like Christ. Yeah. It says in Romans 8 that uh, uh, that's where it's all going, uh, mm -hmm. to the likeness of uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, he also tells us in Matthew 10 that a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. In other words, how can we be like Christ without going through some of the things Christ went through? That's right. I had a professor yeah. once who would say, Gentlemen, you want the product, but you don't want the process. You don't get the product without the process. Yeah. So yeah. without going through some of these things, we can't be like Jesus because that's what he went through himself. Wow. I love that. So, so good. Yeah. That's the paradox of persecution. Greater the heat, oh, greater the so. reward. Greater the heat, greater the expansion. Greater the heat, the greater the Christ-likeness. Uh, and that makes it all worth it. Those are all, all great, great reasons. Well, Peter also tells believers in verse 14, he says, And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Now, in this context, you say the word troubled, suggests not to be intimidated by threats. So what, what encouragement did you find in the book of Matthew that really will help all of us to calm our hearts when we're threatened? Well, just what I've already said about the Beatitudes, that uh, you can find in the midst of persecution and, and problems, great joy if you see that you're doing this on behalf of, of Christ. That he's, yes. he's, he's the reason. And, uh, you know, you find these same promises uh, in the Old Testament, Isaiah uh, chapter 8, verse 12. And that's something Peter's quoting here. Hmm. And he's going back to the uh, faith of Isaiah when the Assyrians were in the Old Testament uh, were about to invade. And the Israelites were not to fear this foreign power. Uh, nor are Christians to fear the Romans who had invaded their land over yeah. 600 years after the Assyrians. And Matthew 10 gives us three, three reasons uh, we don't need to be intimidated. One is the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. Uh, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given to you in that hour what you should speak. 
For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father, your Father, who speaks in you. And uh, that's something I have certainly experienced. My daughter and I experienced over in the Philippines when we ran into the New People's Army. Uh And the Lord led me to talk to them. They had their guns and their uh, pistols, rifles. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And then uh, persecutors can only destroy the body. He tells us in Matthew ten twenty eight, don't fear those who can kill the body, but not the soul, but fear him who's able to destroy the soul and the body in hell. So persecutors, by mentioning body, he's saying they can only take from us what's temporal. They yes, can't take yes. from us what is eternal. So it's again a promise concerning the word world to come uh, that mm-hmm. gives us hope. And then finally, his eyes on the sparrow. Again, uh, Matthew, where he says, Do not fear, therefore, you have more value than the sparrows. And so Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are are you not of more value than they? And so he's arguing from the lesser to the greater. Yeah. Uh, He takes care of the sparrows, aren't you? at least worth as much or more than sparrows, mm. and you're the greater, they're the lesser. So if he takes care of the lesser, he'll take care of the greater. Yeah. So those are uh, uh, ways that we can, I think, be happy and be calm in the midst of uh, troubles and persecution. Oh, I think so. And I think it removes that fear of death. And it's like once that fear of death is gone, uh, we're able to do lots of lots of things for the Lord, uh, just uh, with confidence, I think. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. In, in Hebrews chapter 2, uh, he finishes in chapter 1 by saying, Christ has put all his enemies under his footstool. Mm-hmm. And that's in a tense in the Greek language that speaks of past action, that it's already a, a, an accomplished fact, the fait accompli. Mm-hmm. He's done it. But that uh, poses a question to someone hearing that. Well, they're saying, well, if, if, if he's defeated all his enemies, why are people still dying? And why is the devil still running around loose on the planet? Mm. So he answers that in chapter 2. And he gets down to the end and he says, uh, we say he's subjected everything under his feet, but not completely, is the way he puts it. Uh, that's yet to come. However, in the meantime, in the meantime, he's taken away the fear of death. And that's what he said we were prisoners of. We yeah. were captives of fear. And he says, Christ currently, present time, uh, the fear of death is gone for the Christian. Mm. Hallelujah. In fact, in the catacombs in Rome, when they're undergoing all this, all the persecution from Nero, uh, after mm-hmm. archaeologists went down and discovered the catacombs, they found one word scratched on the walls of the catacombs. It was the word Maranatha, Maranatha, Hmm. essentially saying he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And so the uh, hope of his imminent, any moment now, return uh, was a great light at the end of the tunnel for those who are about to be fed to lions. Wow. Wow. Hmm. So in the midst of persecution... Uh, we can be happy, we can be blessed, we can be calm. And then you say we can be focused. 
Now, Peter tells us in verse 15, he says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. It seems, Dr. Anderson, that fear competes with our faith when it comes to focus. So how can we keep Christ as our focus in times of persecution? Well, I think the main way is to uh, get in scriptures because in the scriptures, I see another world. If I'm out of the scriptures three days, yeah. uh, that world starts getting dim in my mind. Mm. Uh, I need a refresher course. And I get that by jumping back in. And as I do that, especially as I read the gospels, I, I'm seeing, I'm looking right at Jesus. And it's very much like Peter in the waves. As long as he kept his eye on Jesus, he was okay. The moment he looked down at his circumstances, which didn't look too good, <laughs> no. he began to sink. Uh, it's the same sure. with us. Uh, mm -hmm. That same professor I was talking about talks about how one guy was walking down the hall and he looked at him and said, how you doing? The guy said, well, I suppose okay under the circumstances. The professor said, the circumstances? How did you get under those? <laughs> and of course, the idea is we don't have to be under our circumstances. We can be yeah. over our circumstances. So yes. uh, Romans 12, 2 doesn't say you're going to be transformed by renewing of your uh, 401k or by renewing of your boss or by yeah. re renewing of your wife or husband. It says you'll be uh, transformed by renewing of your mind. So it's not the circumstances, it's how you look at the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where we find a calm, uh, is yes. by uh, looking at that, or how a focus, by looking to him instead of our circumstances. Yes, good advice, really good advice. Well, our, our discussion today comes from your book, as you mentioned, Saving the Save, and in particular, uh, a, a chapter called The Lamplighter. So what was your thought behind that chapter title, and how does it apply to times of persecution? Well, uh, it it's, it's a, uh, comes from a poem by Robert Louis Stevenson uh, in which he was talking about the days when gas lights were the way they would illuminate or light up the streets in town. They didn't right. have what we have today. There was no... Uh, alternating current available, so uh, or even direct current at that time. So uh, the lamplighter would come along, and uh, he would literally light those gas lights, street lights, one at a time. <clears throat> now it's interesting. Uh, Lewis uh, said he got this idea for the poem from his experience as a boy. Uh, he liked to watch the lamplighter go down the street lighting the lamps. And he would sit at the window of his home and watch it. And you know, uh, Jesus said uh, that we need to become like a little child. And it said, it's also said, uh, outside of that, to be a good poet, you have to think like a child. And so uh, he envisioned uh, the lamplighter putting holes in the darkness. And I think that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. We're supposed to be the light of the world. And so, as we are a light in a dark world, <clears throat> or as Second Peter says, <clears throat> holding forth the word, 
as a light in a dark place. We become lamplighters. And I love the way he expressed it as a, looking to it as a child. He says, we punch holes in the darkness. And that's how he saw the lamplighter. He was punching holes in the darkness. Well, we live in a dark world. Uh, yeah, we do. I, I, I don't know what it'll be like tomorrow or a year from now if Christ doesn't come. But you can see us going down a slippery slope into a pit of despair like I've yeah. never seen before. The evil that's not just rampant in America, but all over the world. Uh, just things you don't even want to talk about. Exactly. That are so hideous. That yeah. uh, uh, truly it's a dark world. And nevertheless, like Habakkuk was told by the Lord, the just shall live by faith. He says, even if even if the current is going downstream, as an individual, you can go upstream. So regardless of the culture, as an individual, you can walk by faith. And so Habakkuk says, the just shall live by faith. And that's quoted three times in the New Testament, because we're to live a life of faith in punching holes in the darkness uh, in this dark world. Mm. Wow. That is such good words. Uh, it is troubled times. And uh, yet I always say, well, he still has us here. And so if he has us here, there's a purpose for our being here, right? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so just in a closing moment, um, I think of those who fear letting Christ down if persecution should come. In other words, they think of Peter who would never leave him and yet he denied him three times. And, and we go, Whoa, that could be me. I don't want to be that. I love the Lord. I want to honor him. I want to stand firm to the end. Could you offer an encourage, encouraging word uh, in our, in our final moment here? Well, Carmen, I may be wrong, but it seems to me it goes back to the Holy Spirit being the one who speaks. And I don't think we'll really know till we get there. Uh, he, he doesn't just go around dispensing power before it's needed. Right, and right. So I think of those uh, missionaries over in uh, Iraq who were being persecuted by ISIS. And instead of beheading the parents, they decided to behead the children in order to get the parents to recant their faith. Now, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I would like to say that I'd be able to hold to my faith. Uh, but I think I'd have to be there. And if I did, first of all, I know this. It'd be by the power of the Holy Spirit. I could not do that. Couldn't begin to do that in my human strength. I'd be begging them to take me, not, not my child. Uh, Absolutely. So it, yes. it would be by the by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but secondly, I, I think that power would be there as it has been for other Christians. Uh, I think back to Stephen, uh, whose face was transformed, and uh, he he looked up into heaven and saw Jesus Himself standing, welcoming him, welcoming I can say it, welcoming him home. Yeah. What what an inspiration. No doubt about it. Well, thank you, Dr. Anderson. You know, we want to have you back next week to talk more about the lamplighter and the work that we're called to do in the times of persecution. Well, I hope our discussion has motivated you, our listener, to check out our program notes 
to learn more about Dr. Anderson's book, Saving the Save. In addition, we invite you to consider the many courses offered through our degrees program at Grace School of Theology, or for those simply wanting to know and love our Savior more deeply, check out Grace on Demand through our Grace Center for Spiritual Development. Our website is gsot.edu. That is gsot.edu, or download the Grace app. We're so glad you tuned in today. Tell others about saving grace. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You've been listening to Saving Grace. For more information about Grace Center for Spiritual Development or this program, visit our website at gsot.edu slash center or download the Grace app through your smartphone. Views expressed on this program may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.